Right, so we are in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And I want you to notice that phrase that Paul said right there where he says, be instant in season and out of season. And it was important that he was instant because he says, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And this is just an amazing passage because obviously we know Paul was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he wrote this. But he said there's going to be a time where people aren't going to endure sound doctrine, where just basic truths of the scriptures, people are hearing it right now, they're receiving it right now, but there's going to be a time that's going to come. There's going to be people that are going to come into the church and they're going to make things all about the flesh. And they're going to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And they're going to get people so used to just this easy stuff that their people will expect that. And then when you come along and you preach sound doctrine, you actually preach the truth, they're not going to be able to endure it. And they're going to reject you. And they're going to go to these teachers that are just going to give them fables. And they're, it's, it's going to be a big problem. But he tells them to watch. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. But that phrase that he says in verse 2 where he says, be instant, in season. I want to preach about being in, or about instant Christianity today. Instant Christianity. Now, when we use that word instant, most of the time uh, when we use that word today, we are referring to like a moment of time. Okay? And so I'm not talking about instantly becoming a Christian today, but I'm talking about being instant as a Christian, meaning being just a year-around Christian, someone who's always faithful. And while we usually just use that word for a moment of time, it, it, th in this place and one other place in the Bible, we see it being used differently, meaning to just be present or current. When it comes to some things, that it should always be a part of our life. There's some things that should always be a part of who we are. It says in Romans 12 and verse 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Prayer should always be something that's in our life. It shouldn't just be something that we do when we're going through tragedies. It shouldn't be just something that we do as a last resort when just there's when all else fails, let's pray. No, we should be instant in prayer. We should always be praying. We should pray without ceasing. Prayer should be a regular part of our life. And when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to a church. Okay? There's, when it comes to uh, the work of the ministry, there are some things that as a church, we just don't get to take a break from. There's some things that we've got to always be doing. We've got to always be instant. And the, the passages that we're going to be looking at today, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, these things are geared towards church leadership. But here's what you got to understand about church leadership is church leadership is not just people in the church who have a title. Okay? You can be in leadership in a church and not have a title. In fact, a lot of and the chances are, you know, many of you are leaders and you don't even really know it. You and you might said you don't have to have a title, but a lot of times if you're if you're a good Christian, 
you are probably leading people. If you continue to grow as a Christian, you are naturally going to become a leader in this church. And so you might think, you know, he's not preaching to me today. I want, because if, if you're not a leader, you eventually should be a leader in, in some way, shape, or form. And so I do think that what we're going to be talking about, while these scriptures mainly are, are geared towards people in leadership, I do think, think these things should apply to you. And if they don't apply to you, you should want them to apply to you and get to where they do apply to you because it's very important. Because when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the work of God, I do believe you know, there, there's always going to, where we need people that you can always count on. And I do believe there will always be a remnant doing certain things that are right. I do believe there will always be a remnant preaching the truth about salvation. I, and I, but I want to be a part of that. I believe there's always going to be a group out there. There's always going to be people practicing holy living. I think there's always going to be somewhere out there. There's going to be some soul winners out there spreading the gospel but the problem that we have today is many people are only seasonal when it comes to certain aspects of their Christianity. And the problem is some things just aren't meant to be seasonal. And so this passage we read, said it's written by Paul to Timothy. This is what we refer to as a pastoral epistle. He's writing to someone in leadership. But I do, and I believe one of the reasons leaders must be instant and faithful is because the work of God is is a year-round thing. What we are doing, we're supposed to be doing until Jesus comes back. And so while I don't believe it's wrong for you know, us as, you know, for individuals to take a break, okay? I mean, I'm a pastor. I need to be instant. That doesn't mean I never get a break, okay? You know, as a parent, you need to be instant in your parenting, okay? How many moms in here, okay, especially moms of babies, all right, have you ever just felt like, I just need a break, Okay. And, all right, I mean, I, I think all the moms can relate and be like, yeah. But at the same time, too, okay, I mean, yeah, you need a break. You deserve a break. But you can take a break to a point where you can cause neglect. And so, again, I don't think it's ever wrong for Christians to take breaks, for moms to take breaks. But at the same time, too, we don't want to neglect. And so, yes, by all means, you know, dads help, you know, help mom out. You know, give her a break every now and then. But at the end of the day, too, you know what? Uh, moms, you take too much of a break, that kid's going to starve to death. You know, that kid's going to die. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it, it can suffer from neglect. And especially when they're little, you know. And, and, and that's, it's the same thing with the ministry. Okay, the ministry is something where I do, I think we need breaks. I think it's okay to have breaks. We do, we take certain Sundays and we'll take certain Saturdays where we don't schedule anything. I don't think it's wrong to do that. doesn't mean we're quitting soul winning. doesn't mean we're quitting these things, but you know, it is okay to just to rest, to regroup. You know, we need these things because we want to do it forever. Okay. And you know what, dads, you like your wives having those kids. You know, if you don't give her a break, you know, she might not be as anxious to have the next kid. You know, you got, you gotta, you gotta help out in that area. Because you want them to keep parenting. You, you know, listen, your wife, this is America. She could dump you and leave you with those kids all by yourself. Okay? Anybody want that? Not me. All right. I, I don't want that. And you know what? My wife, she could probably dump me, make me take care of all the kids, and I'd probably still have to pay her alimony in, in America, the way things go. 
So just, you know, even though if she dumped me and left me with all the kids, she should pay me alimony. And it's going to cost a lot to replace her. <laughs> so and I, I know she can't afford it. But the thing is, we, you know, we do. We've got, we've got to keep all these things in mind. So I'm not, I'm not up here today telling people you can never take a break. Okay? Obviously, we all need breaks. But what I'm saying, we don't ever want to neglect. And that is an important thing. And we'll say more about that in a little bit because it is. A church can eventually suffer from neglect. Certain ministries can suffer from neglect where we might need a break from some things, but we don't want to neglect them to where they end up dying. That's what happens a lot of times with soul winning in a lot of churches too. You know, especially, you know, when you're in northern countries. Soul winning is not pleasant in the wintertime. And, it's, and I think what happened, has happened in a lot of churches over the years is they do, they take too long of a break. Because, I mean, let's face it, sometimes winter starts in October in Illinois and goes until April. Well, let me tell you, you take a break that long from soul winning, it can suffer from neglect to where it dies. And that's what happens in a lot of places. And so while we, you know, obviously we change up our routine in the wintertime, but, you know, most of what we do, it is, it's always more difficult. But my main thing is my focus as a pastor I just don't want it to go to be neglected. I don't want it to die, you know, because we want to keep doing it because spring's coming again and, you know, it, it, it's definitely coming, but we can take these things too far. And so, um, so, so back to the whole leadership thing. Again, if, if we're the right kind of church, we are not a church where it's just a one-man show. Churches are not supposed to be a one-man show. Churches should actually have many people serving, many people in leadership. Obviously, you have a pastor, you have an overseer, you have you know things like that. But if it, if the church becomes too much about one man and his efforts, then it's gonna it's gonna end up creating some problems. And what ends up happening too, a lot of times it is it's all about the pastor and the one man show he puts on. But you know what? What ends up happening in those churches is how the church is doing depends entirely upon just how well the pastor is entertaining the goats in the church. And I've heard preachers say that before. It's like we're, we're more about entertaining the goats than we are about feeding the sheep anymore in a lot of churches today. And we don't want to be that way. That's not, you know, it's not about just keeping everyone entertained. You know, any comedian can fill up a nightclub, a good one. Any good comedian, he'll fill up a nightclub. He can get an audience. He can get a response from people. But you know what? It's a completely different thing to fill up a church with people who are ready to serve. People who are ready to do the work of a ministry. And there are there are certain aspects of this church, of this ministry, that let's just face it, I think are fun. I think are edifying. I mean, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, the music. I enjoy the church services. There's a lot of things that I enjoy. But let's just face it too, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into the music. There's a lot of work that goes and enjoy these things. I hope people in this church, I hope you enjoy the preaching, but you know, there's a lot of work that goes into that too. There's a lot of work that makes these things pleasant. And a lot of times churches, they get filled up with people who are just coming for the entertainment part. And you know, that was probably everybody at one point, but you don't want to stay at that point. And you know, when we first started the church, that was the biggest thing was getting people in to serve. And you always had those people that were ready to come for the show. Okay? And we, there, were, there, were certain, there were certain individuals, I'm not going to name them or anything, my family as I talk about them, I, I was thinking about them, 
I was going through my notes, and I, and I started having flashbacks of certain people uh, that used to attend church. And I don't think anybody here would know who I'm talking about or know who they were. But, like, my kids even had a theme song for them. We would, like, we would uh, you'd say, pastor's kids shouldn't do that. Listen, sometimes things get tough in a pastor's home. You've got to have some form of entertainment. And we would see these people all the time. We'd drive by their house a lot, and if, if the kids would see them, there was a theme song. And I think Jason knows what it is right now. He could probably sing the theme song right now. It didn't have any words to it. Ask Jason to sing the theme song after church. But um, I remember it was kind of a joke in our house because it was like the only time you can get him to come is if we were doing something special that day, you know, specifically with food, and then they would. They were going to be there on that day. And I remember and we just kind of joked about it. And I was like, well, you know, if we do this, we'll get these people to show up. And it was, it was just kind of a joke in our house. And I know pastors' families shouldn't do stuff like that, but these people were special, okay? Uh, and, uh, but it, we don't have anybody in the church like this right now. <laughs> and there's probably a reason because we treat them too bad. <laughs> but, but anyway, I remember they just like showed up in a random service one time. I was kind of surprised to see them. And I remember thinking that because it was just kind of a joke. I'm like, what are they doing here? There's not going to be any food tonight. And, and they, and I, but I'll, I will never forget it. I, I'm thinking these terrible thoughts. And they walked up, they went, they grabbed the bulletin. And I heard the, one, the mom say to her daughter, oh, let's look and see if they have any fellowships coming up. And that was exactly what they said. And I remember just like, you know, I'm, I was kind of thinking, feeling bad for thinking that way because they showed up when there was no food. But then the first thing they did, let's look at the bulletin, see if there's any fellowships coming up. And there weren't any in the bulletin. And so then, after the service was over, they were just like, let us know next time you have a fellowship coming up. It was like, I don't know if somebody, there was a rumor that we were having one or something. But anyway, and I remember too, I was like, our Christmas dinner is coming up. And I didn't tell them about it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't tell them about it. And these were, they were, these were the classic, stereotypical, just freeloader types. And you're going to have those. Okay, you know, and that's okay, but folks, you don't want to be that way forever, you know, and we need people who are coming to serve, not coming to be served, people who are coming to worship, not to watch a performance that people are calling worship, and because and if, if we become just about a performance, if we become just about the show, then I'm just going to tell you, we are not going to be faithful, we're not going to be consistent, we're not going to last. There's always going to be somebody in town putting on a better show than we are. There's always going to be better performers that are out there. And we've just got to make sure that we are instant. We are constantly doing the things that we're doing. And it's just the reality when it comes to service that we are going to go through different seasons. And I'm preaching this today, too, because we're going into cold season now. We're going into winter season. And I don't know about you. That's not my favorite season. I hate winter. Anybody else hate winter? I got a witness. All right? We have anybody that likes winter. All right, you all are in charge of everything. The rest of us are taking a break. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like cold season. I just, I, I don't like it. But you know what? At the same time, the work of Liberty Baptist Church has to keep going. There are certain things that we have to keep doing. We have to keep showing up and assembling together. We have to keep preaching the scriptures. We have to keep edifying one another. We've got to continue winning souls and we've got to continue being a light. How we do some of those things might vary a little bit, but at the same time, we've got to do it. And But we're going into the out of season 
time of doing these things, uh, doing these things. That's and a lot of people. It's real easy to get discouraged, but we've got to keep it going. And we just got to understand that when it comes to certain things, we have been called to be instant. We are supposed to be constant in that always present in those things. And it doesn't matter the season we're in. It's just a reality. We're going to go through different seasons. Hebrews eleven twenty five. It says, talking about Moses, says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know what? Some, thankfully, when it comes to bad seasons, they don't last forever. And, you know, Moses, he had to go through a very difficult season. And you'll and understand, too, a season isn't necessarily just three months out of the year. Seasons can last. Right? These kind of seasons can last years. All right? The season, how about the 40-year season of taking the children of Israel through the wilderness? What a nightmare that would have been. But you know what? Moses is going to have a lot of rewards when he's in heaven. Moses, who, he's going to be in charge of a lot of things in the millennial kingdom. While Moses had to go through a, some difficult periods of time, those things were only for a season, and he understood that. And so you know what Moses did? He endured those things. He looked past those things. He realized, I'm going to get through these things. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through difficult times. You're going to go through difficult seasons in your marriage. You're going to go through difficult seasons in parenting. All right? And there are there's seasons in parenting. You've got the baby season. That's a difficult season in a lot of areas. But you know what? You got the toddler season where different challenges come along with that. You got potty training season. That's not a fun season. You've got homeschooling season. That's not a lot of fun. You've got teenage season. That's not a lot of fun. And now we're going to the one where we have adult kid season. And you know what? While certain things are easier now, you know, there's, there's still other challenges that come with it. You know, you never stop worrying about your kids. You know, you never stop caring about them. While it's, you know, and the thing is too, when you have kids ranging in age, you know, from 21 to 2, you get all seasons at once. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you know, every day is spring, summer, winter, and fall. So, it, you know, that, you know, you know, keep those things in mind uh, when you're spreading those kids way out. You get it all at once. You know, some of you have the, you know, you've, you've entered into the empty nest season. And I'm sure there's some nice things about that. There's probably some challenges to it, too. You know, a part of me, it's like, man, empty nest. You know, how, you know, how fantastic will that be? But then another part of me is like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I like that. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the season, too, of just having, you know, little girls that just like to sit next to me on the couch and cuddle up with me and you know, watch a show or something. I, I like that. You know, I, I like that. Pretty soon they're going to grow out of that. I was just... Um, I was somewhere this week in town and I just, I noticed a dad playing with his two boys. They were about nine and 10 years old. And I remember looking and I'm like, man, you know, I kind of, I miss having boys that age. You know, I'm, I'm past that season with boys. I mean, my, mine are both adults. My biggest fear, you know, growing up after having four sisters and no brothers that I was going to have all girls and live in a house full of women. And then... <laughs> The Lord blessed me right away. We had two boys. But you know what? They're just about gone. <laughs> and I'm going to live in a house full of women. So it's coming. You know, so it's like I, I got that season. I had, but, you know, you, you, we just, we're, we go through all kinds of things in life. But they're seasonal. 
you know, the good things, the bad things. But at the end of the day, you've got to be instant in all of them. There are some things that you just don't get to quit. You don't get to stop doing. You've got to keep alive. First Peter 1 6 says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And we've got to understand, sometimes it's easy to do right, but you know what? There's other times you have to make yourself do it. There are times when I do. There are, there are I'm not trying to act spiritual or anything. There are times where I, I do. I'm like, man, I am anxious. To, I'm ready to go soul winning. I'm ready to get out there, knock on some doors, tell about Jesus. You know what? There's other times. I'm not trying to be humble right now. I don't feel like it. But you know what? You've got to do it anyway. There's times I don't feel like coming to church. My wife, I'm just going to tell you, my wife, this morning, I just feel like staying in bed today. That's how spiritual she is. But, but you know what? She's, you know, she's my wife. She's got to be instant. So guess what? Here. You know? And sometimes, too, sometimes, you know, you know, as a leader who has to be instant, it's like, you know what? It would be nice to just be like the people that we had a theme song for, where you just do stuff when you feel like it. You show up to church when you feel like it. You show up when the fun stuff's going on. You know, there's, there's a part of me that's like, I, that'd be kind of nice. But let me tell you, I'll say this right now, I would not want their life. <laughs> While they're living for just whatever they feel like doing, it's not working out too good for them. And let me tell you, that life doesn't work out for you either. It's not going to work. You don't want to be that person. You won't be happier. That's a lie. Because everyone that I know that is like that, they are not happier people. They are not more blessed than I am. You've got to be instant. And so your typical American, though, they do what they want when they want. We are the generation of mental health days. I mean, you know, and let me tell you, different generations all have different issues. Maybe the generation that I'm from, maybe we didn't take those kind of things into account like we should have and we made people crazy. Okay, that's very possible. But you know what? If I'm thinking that way and I'm wrong, it's just my generation. But I'm just going to be honest. That's the way I think. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of this stuff is a lot of foolishness. And I think people are, you know, are, are weak and everything. But, you know, I get it. You know, people need and break or whatever. But, you know, sometimes you just got to tough things out. Sometimes you just got to do things when you don't feel like it. That's, just, that's, just, that's the way it was for me growing up. And I think sometimes you just have to power through things. And the truth is, we should always be preparing for difficult seasons. We've got, if, if we, we've got to understand, the stock market can't go up every day forever. But, you know, I, I'll, I listen to the radio all the time, and there's like, oh, bad day on Wall Street today. And they're just talking terrible. It's like, it can't be a good day every day. I mean, is, is that really how, does that really make sense? Is that really sustainable that you're just all getting richer and richer and richer every day, especially while the rest of us not doing so good? It's like, what, you know, what in the world? But that's the attitude people have today. Just think that everything is always just going to be easy. Bible says in Proverbs 6, 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Even an ant understands that a season is coming where they're not going to be able to work like they are in the summer and in the harvest season, and they prepare for that. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to learn to prepare ourselves, not just physically, but even mentally for the difficult seasons that are going to come. Listen, if you are having kids, 
You need to mentally prepare yourself for some difficult seasons. A lot of people have kids and all of a sudden they discover that the babies poop. You know, the babies want to eat at all hours. You know, the babies, you know, they, they get sick and they have to deal with germs and all these things. You know, it's like you got a lot of guys, they get married. And listen, I understand people want to get married. I believe marriage is a good thing, but there are seasons with marriage too. They're going to find out that woman that you marry, that she's not always in a good mood. That, they, you know, that, that woman that you marry doesn't always look like she does when she's all made up and everything. You know, there's going to be some, there's going to be some seasons that are very regular that, you know, and sometimes, you know, that you have to deal with. And you got to learn how to navigate those waters. And you know what you don't get to do? You don't get to abandon ship when things get stormy. You got to ride it out. <laughs> you know, you got to, uh, y'all, I can tell you all that I'm, I'm driving with everybody here, but I'm going to stop with that because I'm going to get myself in trouble. But that's just how it is. And people do. They have this mentality. It's just all supposed to be smooth sailing. Folks, nothing is all smooth sailing. That's just not the way it is. The ministry is not all smooth sailing. You know, you do, you have some preachers, it's like they've got, they've got to always act like everything's just the best it's ever been. Lord's just blessing. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. And no matter what you say, everything's always positive. And you got other people too. It's like, no matter what, everything's always negative. You got those people too. I know there's some preachers I know. I hate when they call me and I do everything I can to avoid ever talking to them because I am guaranteed to get discouraged after talking to them because everything's just always terrible. Everything's just, it's like talking to Eeyore and it's just absolutely, it's just absolutely miserable. I was just talking with my son about somebody like that that we know that's just, it's like, man, I, I, I can't mentally handle talking to this guy. It just, it brings me down too much. And, but you know, the truth is we're all going to have the positive days. We're all going to have the difficult days. You know what we got to do? We got to be faithful through everything. We've got to learn to prepare for what's coming. You've got to, you know, even financially, people need to learn how to budget. Everybody goes broke every year at Christmas. Christmas comes every, same time every year. You know what you got to do? You got to start thinking about it. You got to start preparing for it. You got to plan for these things. You know, you're, you're, you're broke on your wife's birthday. You got to, same time every year. You got to plan for, there's some things you just have to plan for. If you don't plan, and we're broke every year on my wife's birthday. You know, she, she was born the month after Christmas. Everybody's broke after Christmas, and we've got two other birthdays in our family before hers. So she's, she's all, we're, we're always broke on her birthday. It's just been that way, and no matter how much we plan, you know, we got where we were starting to get better at, then we had another kid in January, so it's just like, but, you know, uh, we, we need to improve a little bit in that area, but it's amazing how many people will let normal things get them out of the will of God. It's like, no, these things happen every year. This is normal. Why haven't you figured out how to deal with this yet? You know, we just have, we, you know, it's, sometimes there's legitimate excuses, okay? Some of you, you might have been late for church once or twice because of the detour. But you know what? This detour has been here for months now. <laughs> By now, you should be factoring it in, okay? And when you have like five years in a row, you know, in your life where you find yourself in a financial crisis, you know what? By the sixth year, you should say, you know what? We got to start planning for this. We got to start preparing ourselves. And you know, a lot of times too, it's like churches, ministries, they enter into this crisis, they go into this crisis mode every year around the same time. It's like, hey, can't we figure out how to prepare for this crisis? Can't we figure out how to navigate 
through these things. We're, you know what? It's just a season, folks. It's just a season. They come and go. Do we want these seasons to be a nightmare? Or do we want to find a way to be productive? Do we want to find a way to be successful and to be happy during these times? We, we can't forget these things. So we've got to pay attention. A way we can help ourselves too, we've got to pay attention to those who are in different seasons of their life. Because guess what? We're all going to get old unless we die before that. You know, your kids are going to become teenagers. Your kids are going to become adults. Someday your kids are going to be gone. And guess what? You're still going to be married to each other. That, and you need to prepare for these things. When it, and when it's all done, you know what you should still be doing? You should still be serving the Lord. A lot of people, they're serving the Lord when their kids are little, but then when their kids become teenagers, the teenagers take over the house. And then that's, that's when all the standards go out the window. That's when all the rules go out the window. Once you, they get to that age where they learn how to argue, and they're sometimes better debaters than you are, you know, and it's amazing how many parents are losing arguments to their kids all the time and letting teenagers run the home. And you know what? You can't do that. You've got, you, you better prepare for that. You know, before you start making all these hardcore rules that you're going to live by, you better figure out why you actually believe those things and make sure you have a Bible reason. Because you know what? Right now your kids aren't going to ask you. You know, you tell your kids, hey, you know, we're not, you're not allowed to watch these kind of movies. You know, when they're five years old, they're not going to say chapter and verse. You know, <laughs> You know, they're, they're not going to do that. But one of these days, they will. Right? One, one of these days, you know, when you tell your daughter you can't wear that, she's going to say chapter and verse. You know, are you ready for, you, you prepared for these things? Because let me tell you, there's a lot of teenage girls cleaning their dad's clocks in these debates because he has no idea what's going on. It's like, you, did, you didn't see this coming? You know, you didn't see this coming? I'm not telling people not to set standards and make rules. I'm telling you, though, you need to make sure whatever you start, you can finish it. So you better, you better understand these days are coming. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We have got to keep serving. And the reason, listen, this verse right here, while we like, we shall reap if we faint not in due season. You know what this passage also tells me? There's a season where we're going to feel like fainting. There's going to be a season where you feel like fainting. There's going to be a season where you feel like giving up, where you feel like quitting. Where you're like, you know what? Who cares if I don't get all the blessings? I'm fine if people have a theme song about me and make fun of me. I'm just going to be the Christian that just does whatever I feel like doing whenever I feel like doing it. I'll, I'll, I'll be that guy. No, you need to stick it out. You need to do the hard thing. You got to be instant. And when we fail to be instant, again, what we do, we can, we can cause things that we are a part of to die due to neglect. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So notice what he's talking about there. When he's talking about neglect not the gift that is in thee. When it comes to preaching, I personally believe even with myself, that if I were to neglect it, if I was to just like, you know what, I know quite a bit of Bible. I'm studying up pretty good and I was to back off on my studying. 
Or even two, I think if I was to take a break from preaching, then it would only be a matter of time. And once I got another opportunity, it wouldn't be the same thing. Not only would I not do a very good job, I would probably be getting a lot of stuff wrong. There's some things you just got to stay at. You've got to stay, you know, if you don't keep it fresh, it's going to fall apart. And I think a good way to look at ministry, I do. I think we need to look at ministry like parenting, especially when you're just getting started. Okay. So for example, you know, babies need a lot of attention, don't they? I mean, that's one of the things that's just difficult is you always have to know where they are. And, you know, and it's, it's pretty easy when they're a baby because they're not mobile, but then they're going to get to that age where they start moving around. And the thing is, when they're just crawling, you know, the amount of mischief they can get in, you know, it, it's unlimited, you know, and you start figuring out too, because, you know, like, you know, looking at uh, Jeremiah and Carrie's new baby, pretty soon that thing's going to start getting mobile. And you know what I promise is going to happen in their house? That pretty soon things are going to start changing around their house because there are hazards everywhere right now that they've not even thought about. But all of a sudden, that kid starts moving around and climbing. They're going to realize, oh, he could pull this down. It could fall on him. He could hit his head on this. And they're going to start changing things. They're going to start baby-proofing the house because there's like right now in their house, and I haven't been in there, there's like a thousand things that can kill a little baby. <laughs> and, and they're going to start, and then everything's going to change. Everything's going to change as a result of that. And, because, and, and it is. It's, it's difficult. It's stressful. They get to that age where they're pulling themselves up on things. But then they fall over, you know, and their their head's like the heaviest part of their body, it seems like, and it just hits everything. And like you, you just, you want to put a helmet on them and a bubble suit or something just because it's like this kid is determined to die. Any other parent ever felt like that's all you're doing is just trying to keep that kid alive? I mean, that, that's the way you feel sometimes. And, you know, you make a couple of hospital trips in a month and you're just waiting for DCFS to show up at your house. You know, it's, you know, we've all, we've all been there before, but you know, it's like that in the ministry where when it first gets started, it does, it needs a lot of attention. And if you don't stay on it, then things can happen. Things can fall apart. Things can die in the ministry. But you know, kids too, as they get older, you know, you, they can get to where you can let them out of your sight for a little bit. Okay. And you know, you do, you get, you become very instinctive as a parent, you know, it, it, you know, there's those times, those quiet times. How many have ever gotten freaked out because of how quiet it was? Where all of a sudden you're like, I haven't heard the kid in 35 seconds. And you go running, only to find them in the bathroom, you know, playing in the toilet or something like that. You know, it's just, you know, you've all been there. Okay, but, you know, they get to where you can let them play in another room and they're going to be fine. You know, eventually, too, they get to the part, point where you can start leaving them home alone. Those are great days, you know, when you, when you get to, when you get to that point, and you know, and, and I, you know, and it's nice too. I'm glad our church is the point now where I can, I can be gone. You know, I'm a little nervous about going to Israel for 10 days. You know, please, everybody behave yourself while I'm gone. All right. When I'm, I'm really excited about this trip. If my wife's texting me about church drama and this issue and that issue, listen, man, you know, it will be a great blessing to me if I don't have any issues to deal with. You know, when I come back and my wife's not telling me about stuff, you know, like let the pastor be gone for a little while without everything falling apart. 
And he goes, I don't understand. I don't think that's... But yet, listen, just think about how you as parents would love to just be able to let your kids alone. And that's what you want. That's when you will, when you will feel comfortable to finally leave them home alone. When you feel like I can leave them home alone and the house will still be standing when I get back. Where they will not... I will, I'll come back and they won't be strangling each other. You know, and that's a good feeling. And it's the same thing too in a ministry. And, said, and eventually if you raise your kids right, they will, they will be able to take care of themselves. They will be able to move out of the house and be functioning members of society. And that's, that's a good thing. And if you really do a good job, if you really, really do a good job raising your kids too, someday they might even be taking care of you. And that'll be, that'll be a really good thing. But you know what? Every one of us, my, and myself especially, you know, I've been on the receiving end of ministry in my life. But eventually, we need to get to the point where we are the ministers. Okay? And we do. We all get ministered to. Okay? I get ministered to here. I get ministered to, you know, through, through the preaching or through the singing and, you know, through the uh, others who preach. You know, and that is a blessing. That is a help. But, you know, you need to be someone who is also ministering to somebody where you're being helped. I'm being ministered to when I eat the food that ladies make. You know, I don't want to be the church that has the lamest fellowships ever. That were, you know, our fellowships are so bad, people are trying to uh, take away our Baptist name. <laughs> Baptists are known for their potlucks. Last thing I want is visitors coming in, looking at our potluck and being like, I thought this was a Baptist church. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that to be the case. You know, we're all ministered to in these things. But Philippians 4.9 says, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So he's telling them here, he's like, all these things, the things you learned from me, the things you saw in me, all these things you watch, now you go do them. That's what Paul wanted. That's what everybody needs to do. And it is, it's a good thing when your kids get to the age where they want to be a help. And when your kids want to be a help, you know what? Let them. And you know, sometimes when kids help, they're not very much help. But you know what? It's good training and it will pay off. Let them help you. Let them help you. And it is, it's a good, and let me just say this, it's a good thing when younger Christians want to help in church. And you know what? Everyone needs to let them. Everyone needs to let them. See, now, some of you in here, maybe we got a few goats in here, and you, you're just a goat, you're here to get entertained. But you know what? If that's you, you're not going to like it when one of the little kids gets up and do their, their piano special where they do one note at a time. You know what? They are preparing to minister. Let them enjoy it, encourage them in it, and be blessed by it. See them as a future musician that plays like one of the ladies here in the church. That's what you need to see. When somebody gets up and they sing a special and it doesn't necessarily entertain you, you don't think it's that good, you know what? Be blessed by it anyway. Let them. They're training. They're preparing. Somebody gets up and they preach a sermon. It might not be as good. Some of you might decide, I'll, you know, I'll come to church when I know there's going to be a good entertainer there. But you know what? I don't want, I'm not here just to entertain everybody. And whenever we have somebody, maybe they do. They have that desire. They want to be a preacher someday. Man, you need to be present. You need to be encouraging them. Some young person, some teenager wants to get preached. You, listen, usually people's first sermon, usually a teenager when they preach, it's kind of lame and kind of boring. Let's just be honest. But you should never act that way. You know what? And let me tell you, if you have that attitude when some up-and-comer comes along and they're not as good yet and you don't want to receive it because of that, that would be like, you would think I was a terrible dad if, you know, if one of my little girls, if Lana comes up and, he, and 
She's like, Dad, I made supper today. And then I went and I ate. I'm like, this isn't as good as your mom's. <laughs> Listen, wh- wh- that would be terrible. You know what? When your daughter is making those first meals, it's probably not going to be as good as your wife's meal. But you know what? She needs to learn how to do these things. And you know what you need to do? You know what's your job to do at that point, Dad? Is encourage her. And you know what you do? You make a big deal out of it. And if you've got to go throw up in the bathroom later, that's fine. Just don't let her, just don't let her know. But you know what you've got to do? You do. You've got to receive it. You've got to be thankful for it. Because, you know, we ought to thank God every time we see somebody wanting to serve. And when you see somebody get up and when you see them trying, if somebody goes and maybe they want to help out and they want to take charge of, you know, leading the soul winning, and they go out and they do a bad job, they take you to the worst area, you know what, you just encourage it, you participate, because this is, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. We need more people like that. And you know what, the dad shouldn't skip a meal because the daughter made it. Instead of the wife. No, you eat it anyway. And so we should all encourage anyone who's trying to do something for the Lord. And we do because we need more. I can't do everything. I don't want to do everything. But you know what? And that, that is my attitude. I just want it to get done. I just want things to get done. I don't care who does it as long as it gets done. And this is why faithfulness is the most important thing when it comes to putting someone in leadership. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.1, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That is a requirement. And that's why, because the work of the ministry is something that's got to be going year round. It's something that's instant. It's something we've got to do in the good seasons. It's something we've got to do in the difficult seasons. And if, if you have somebody in the church, they're just kind of seasonal. Okay, hey, We're going to have people like that. But you know what? Don't put those people in leadership. The ones who are in leadership are the ones, they're instant. Always there. Always present. You can always count on them. And it is. It's very easy to just get lazy about things in the ministry. And as a result, we will unintentionally cause things to die. Proverbs 24, 30 says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles that covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. He just, things just got out of hand. It just fell apart. It got out of control. It says, Then I saw and I considered well and looked upon and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands of sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. You know, that person, maybe they're good at stuff, but they're not faithful. They're not consistent. They're a little slothful. You know what? Unintentionally, a lot of times they do, they just let things fall apart. And we don't ever want to do that as a church. And again, I believe that's what's happened to soul winning a lot of churches. I don't know too many Baptist, church, Baptist preachers that have just renounced soul winning like I don't believe it anymore. Typically what happens is it just, it dies. It grows over. And it, by, from neglect. And, you know, what happens in a lot of churches is, you know, you have the faithful few diehards if you're lucky when it comes to souling but you know what else you have you have bandwagon soulers you have those who they'll go if people are going they'll go if there's a big crowd they'll go to the big souling marathon or even too and this is where you're a leader you might know it you know there's some people they'll go and they'll go souling if they know so-and-so is going to be there you know why because they're a bandwagon soul winner. Okay? now hey that's better than nothing 
But you know what? The thing is, here's what you've got to understand. You know, you, you just backing off in these things might cause the bandwagon soul owner to just get out of it completely. We're all affecting people in this area. You know, you have some people that are doing the soul winning out of obligation. And the thing is, when it loses its excitement and hardly anyone's doing it, those who do it out of obligation no longer feel obligated. There's a lot of people, if you ask them, do you believe in confrontational soul winning? Yeah. Where were you Saturday? Well, where was everybody else? You know, and you do, you have, you have these large churches out there where they're lucky to have like three or four people out soul winning. You know, what happened? It just, it just ne got neglected. It kind of fell apart. And eventually, when it gets bad enough, even the diehards start getting affected and they just don't do it consistently anymore. And you can see the same thing in any ministry the church has. Any ministry, you do, you have, you'll have the diehards, you've got the bandwagon people, you have those that do it out of obligation. And you know what? Thank, thank God for all of them. But the problem is we need people to be instant. We need them to continually be doing this thing. And so this is a message. It's really it's geared towards leadership in the church and not just people with titles. And whether you know it or not, many of you are a determining factor in whether or not someone's going to show up for church, go out soul winning or whatever. I mean, it does seem... Kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting sometimes how it's like if someone announces I'm not going to do something, then you can almost count on other people not doing those things too. Okay? Some of y'all, you announce you're sick, not showing up for church, and then it, somebody, all of a sudden everybody announces, like what, like, what in the world? You know, what's going on? You're a leader and you didn't know it. And again, there's, there's reasons sometimes. But is it, you know, are, are we taking a break or are we neglecting? We don't ever want to do that. And so... You know, when announcements are made in church, and you need to think about this. Which one are you? When announcements are made in church about an activity, you have those who immediately make a decision that they're going to be there based on the fact something's going on in church. Right? You know who those are? Those are the leaders. That is, they hear an announcement, you know, it's just immediately in their head. I'm going to do that. that that's, that's the leader. But then you have those who make their decision based on whether or not they want to participate. And usually the determining factor is who's going to participate. You know, when you have a sign-up sheet, whether they sign up or not, you know, they, they have to look at the other names first. Okay? All right, some of you probably do that. Okay? Hey, we're thankful for you. You know, let's try to promote yourself to that person that, I just hear the announcement, I'm in. But, you know, then you have those who make their decision solely based on who's participating. They're just the followers. And so, you know, you need to understand when it comes to certain things, you need to be faithful, sometimes just for other people's sake. He said, if you're the follower of the bandwagon Christian, nobody's mad at you for that. We're all there at one time, but we all need to work on becoming the instant Christian. The ones that's always there, always present, one that people can count on. You ought to be somebody that others can set their clocks by. And it's those who are instant, they're the ones that are going to preserve this thing. If Liberty Baptist Church is going to be a soul-winning church on its 20th anniversary, it's going to be because there were some people in the church who were instant. Okay, And we've got to have those people that are very important. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help and a blessing to everyone. Lord, I do thank you for uh, the faithfulness of people here in this church. And uh, Lord, I pray that this message will be an encouragement to everyone to just uh, stay faithful in all things, Lord. We're going into the winter season right now, but I pray, Lord, you'll help us to just 
continue your work, uh, that we'll continue being a light, continue being faithful, um, you know, coming together to worship, to praise you, and to learn from your word. And uh, Lord, I pray you'll help us to just do great things, help us to prepare for the things that are coming, and you'll be honored and glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.